0: My name's Jeffrey Sidoris, and I want to welcome you to the first episode of a podcast experiment that Sean Tucker and I are doing on Clubhouse, which, if you're not familiar, is a drop-in audio chat platform available for both iOS and Android. We're calling it Deep Natter, and what you're about to hear is the first 40 or so minutes of the one-on-one conversation between Sean and me, which was followed up by inviting listeners to the stage to ask questions, comment on the discussion, even offer suggestions for future discussions. We're only going to record and release our initial conversations, not the audience interaction. And these conversations will typically be around a specific theme or topic. If you want to listen live or you'd like to participate, join us on Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern on Clubhouse. Here we go. Three, two, one... (laughs) <laughs> you screwed up that one.
1: That was deliberate, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a little bit. That's <laughs> <Such> an ass. <laughs> okay. No, it's fine. It'll be good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it's going to be your
0: nightmare to edit.
1: So it's a, <laughs> make your life you, easy. <laughs> you
0: didn't expect that this was going to go well, right? No, 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 of course not. Never.
1: Do you want to kick it off? I mean, this, this topic today, so long-term projects and curating our own work, has
0: come up basically because you and I are both uh, about to step into long-term projects. And they're projects that we've been thinking about for years on, on both sides, really. Yeah.
1: How are you thinking about stuff at the moment on your end?
0: I'm excited about it. Because I'm in the research phase, and i love I love the research phase, I love the hardware mode of of kind of you know trying to figure out what the initial direction looks like, so that I can then be open to the inevitable sort of you know happy accidents and left and right turns that're gonna crop up along the way, but at least I have a direction forward, I have a way forward um and it's something that I mean, you and I have talked about this a number of times. This is this is big stuff. This is this is family dynamics. This is fathers and sons. This is mm-hmm. you know uh, uh, blue collar work and lifestyle things that have been part of my life for my whole life that I've you know either embraced or or very actively shied away from. And I'm trying to now do the former. I'm trying to embrace that that history of my of my family and and of the type of people that that the men in my family were uh and and kind of embrace it and and in a sense honor it as well because a lot of these um a lot of these jobs don't exist anymore you know Mm. for for people who don't know i'm i'm the first male in my family for four generations not to work for the railroad uh, my father, his brothers, his father, his father's father, you know, everybody, you know, as far back as, as four generations worked for the railroad. And, and, you know, my father worked in a steel mill. Uh, my, fa- my grandfather was, you know, a, a, a pool hustler and a moonshine. I mean, there's just all this stuff in my family history that I've wanted to, on some level both stay away from, but learn more about and embrace. And I think, I think now is the time, you know, and it kind of came on the back of, of, um, some conversations with Sean about legacy. And it's really gotten me thinking more and more about that. And we've been talking about legacy off and on for gosh, you know, months into years, I would say, is mm-hmm. is that accurate on your side? Yeah. Yeah. And so now it's, it's just gotten to the point where you know, to kind of piggyback on on what we've talked about in in some of the previous on well, both of the previous conversations, it's become something I have to do. It's become something that that I can no longer put off. For a couple reasons. Number one, I'm getting older, and and I I, I want to kind of sink my teeth into a a larger, um, potentially more important and more satisfying project. But number two, the people that I want to talk to, many of them are getting very old and they're not going to be around much longer. And I want to be able to uh, have those conversations before I'm unable to have those conversations.
1: How did you know? I mean, I'm sure there's lots of people sort of listening who've, who've got ideas for their own sort of personal projects or long-term things. How did you know when it was this thing? Because I mean, sure, like, like most people, you probably got like, 10 ideas that, well, knowing you, you've got a thousand ideas that you chuck around <laughs> all over the place in your head every now and again. How did you kind of settle on, this is what needs to get done next?
0: Because I kept coming back to it again and again and again and again. I kept coming back to these stories. I love talking to to creative people about what they do. I, I really do love talking to artists and musicians and photographers. I love it. I really do. But it, it it got to a point where I don't want to keep doing exclusively that at the cost of not talking to other people. And I started listening to more and more of a guy called Studs Terkel. Mm. If you're not familiar with Studs, he was a, a broadcaster and a journalist. And starting in the 40s, he started recording conversations in situ with people about their work. And it's a it's a it's a brilliant project. It was decades long. He talked to thousands of people, and the project is just called working. And I've read the book, I've listened to a a, a fair number of the the interviews, and it's something that just, I kept coming back to that idea of picking that up 50 years on after he stopped doing it and, and trying to continue that type of work and just talking to people about what they do, why they do it, what they bring to it, what they get from it, how their lives have changed because of it, but I wanted to make it more personal and sort of tackle that 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 part of my family history that blue collar part of my family history and moving to the east coast has inadvertently made that even more possible because there are so many of these forgotten sort of mill towns and factory towns that dot the eastern seaboard mm-hmm. so i can go to philadelphia i can go to pittsburgh i can go to new england i can go to maine and there are these old factory towns that are you know many of them are ghost towns and and manufacturing has gone but the people are still there the stories are still there waiting to be mined waiting to be you know as as adrian has said i'm spelunking for narrative you know <laughs> and so and is that a great one yeah. and and releasing those as as something and i don't know what the release that's the other thing is is i don't know how you are with with projects when you start, but I, I often have to have everything buttoned up, how I'm going to do it, how I'm going to release it, how I'm going to package it, what it's going to look like. And I've, I've purposefully refused to do that. I don't know what it's going to look like. Is it a book? Is it a podcast? Is it a, is it something else? Is it a museum, uh, um, exhibition of some sort? I don't know. And I think I, I, for the first time, I think I'm letting the work tell me what it wants to do, what it yeah. needs to do, you know?
1: That's good. Yeah. So what are you, what are you, what are you learning in the, in the research phase?
0: What am I learning in the research phase? <laughs> that there are so many people out there with stories to tell. And it's, it's going to be my challenge... And, and you you know this from us talking about the book. My challenge is not to let feature creep just keep going and going and going. I I have to put some sort of blinders on and, and give myself um, an assignment or a set of assignments that I can go do, come back, evaluate them, and then move ahead. Rather than just, I'm just going to keep going and going and going and going. Because if if left to my own devices i will just keep going and going and i won't stop and and look at the whole thing as a as a body of work or as a Mm. as even a a a portion of that that i can that i can somehow put together and and get out into the world that's Mm. that's the biggest challenge is knowing when to stop for me and deliver
1: Mm. what could stop you starting
0: How much time do you have? <laughs> <laughs> well, because I reckon, I reckon
1: this is something everyone struggles with. Is we, I mean, I know I've I've had projects which I felt really passionate about at one stage in my life, and I I was in research phase, but it never got out of that, and I and I've got I'm sure I've got reasons that it didn't, but um, I suppose it's learning to head those off, or or, or at least identify them when they're sort of looming on the horizon.
0: Mm.
1: Um, I, I imagine we're probably quite similar, actually. I think to-
0: letting go of the monetization side, letting go of of knowing what it has to be, and and staying in that zone where I'm excited about doing the work, and yeah. I'm excited about about being in conversation, and 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 being grateful for people opening up their lives and and allowing me to have that space with them and having me al- allowing me to have that time with them and i do it all the time you know this i mean we had a contractor here yesterday doing some work in in the basement we had a problem with with uh, a sump pump and you know he f- finishes the work and and we ended up talking for 45 minutes about his family history in Jamaica and, and, Mm -hmm. you know, the the cashew farm that his family has. And like just all of this stuff that, that, that sort of unraveled just from simply taking an interest in him, simply taking an interest in some, in, in someone beyond, Hey, you're here to do this job, do it and leave. There's a lot there to unpack. And, and we just had this initial conversation, but I know that we could talk for another three hours and still not have scratched the surface. You know, so that's the kind of stuff that motivates me. What, what keeps me from doing it is when I think about the business side of it. When I mm. think about what does it have to be? What should it be? It should have value, but what kind of value? And if I let myself get spun up in that kind of thing, yeah, then I, yeah. I very quickly get to the, well, what's the point? Yeah, you know, I don't yeah. have NPR behind me. I don't have WNYC. I'm not Joe Rogan. I'm not Mark Maron. I'm you know, like all of those things. Yeah that that keep you from just carving out this little space and doing the work because it doesn't have to matter to everyone as long as it matters to someone and that's what i'm trying to hold on to that i don't have to have millions of people like it you know a friend of mine told me just whenever you're doing these things pick that one person it can be an imaginary person it can be someone you know but have them at the forefront of your mind that's who you're doing this for that's mm-hmm. who you're talking to when you're doing these things and I think that can be very helpful for me because you know all too well that I get so distracted so easily and I get defeated really easily when I start focusing on the wrong things when it comes to, to my own stuff.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's almost, um, it's like you said, it's focusing on the work and doing the best job you can and producing the work that you envision or you would want to see in the world and completely letting go of the results or mm-hmm. how it's received or mm-hmm. whether it whether it's successful or popular or makes money or anything like that if, if you can get yourself to the place where you where you admit that stuff or you actually believe that that stuff is irrelevant within yourself then then it doesn't get in the way anymore it's a hard place to get to it's hard it does to get keep to. cropping up because yeah. you keep thinking yeah but it could go into a book and do well Whatever that means. And then you can get quickly excited about that. And then when the realization crashes and you go, yeah, but it probably won't. And then you just want to pack it all away instead of going, no, 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 I still want to do it. What am I doing? Why did right. I think that?
0: Yeah. You Why can't, you can't look on. at it from the standpoint of, well, I, I, I'm not going to speak for everyone. I can't look at it from the standpoint of, you know, how many people want to see or hear a project about blue collar workers? Because that number is likely very low. Until it happens and resonates and 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 spreads, and one person hears it and goes, "Oh my gosh, have you heard this thing or have you seen this?" And they tell somebody about it, and they tell somebody. I mean, that's how things like Serial became massive hits. Yeah, you know, on paper, that doesn't look like a really compelling idea for a show, and it took two years to make that show. But on the back of it, they created this amazing project that that really kind of changed how narrative podcasts were done. You know, And I don't expect to do that at all, but what I do expect is to make the project that I want to see in the world. And I think that's where we get stuck sometimes is mm-hmm. we, you know, your, your project that you're working on as well. If you look at that on paper, that doesn't seem like a big hit, I'm, I would imagine, no. but it doesn't matter because no, okay. it's important to you and, and, and that's really it. You want to see this project in the world. And, yep. and that's what motivates it, I think.
1: I mean, for me, I've got, I've got a better example of it. that I, I, I when, when I wrote the book I wrote 10 years ago when I left the church, I just knew I had to write that book. But I was aware even back then when I was writing it that this is kind of a book for nobody. Because <laughs> right. no one in the church wants to read a book criticizing the church. <laughs> And no, no one no. <laughs> outside the church gives a shit. Right. So who wants to read that book? No, who is, is that really, for? Yeah. But I felt it was so important to say. So I tried to, at that point in my life, tell my story and say the stuff that I thought was important to say back then. And, and I had zero regrets about it. And it took me a year to do. I have zero regrets about taking a huge amount of time doing that, even though I only sold a couple of thousand copies ever right. of that book it doesn't it doesn't matter because that needed to get said and needed to get done and i i kind of was already aware that this is not going to be a big deal but it but it did have to get done and it's probably the purest example of that kind of experience i've ever had because since then it's it's been more messy like i've i've sort of held on to the potential of what something could be more back then for some reason that particular thing like i was very very clear on what that was about which helped you know
0: how was it different doing this book than than doing that book in terms of of expectation and and approach in that way? Was it was it still the the book that you wanted to write, or were there different motivations than there were the first time?
1: I'll, I'll be honest, like th- this book now that I've written is is uh, I, I, there's no part of me that is unhappy with it. As a, This is exactly the book I want to write now. And in fact, I, I think it's a big step in the right direction for me in terms of what I want to do going forward. Mm-hmm. Where it falls down for me is now because I, I have some sort of following on on the internet. I have to be very careful about, trying, about being realistic about expectations around that book. Because I, I start to catch myself going, oh yeah, what if it... What if it like, uh, you know, goes worldwide and, you know, uh, I get more of a name for talking about this kind of stuff and, and, and that leads to new things and you, you, get, you, you get 10 steps ahead of yourself. Whereas the reality is, you know, the reality is that I, I might have some people who follow on YouTube, only a very small proportion of my followers actually watch the videos. Right, You know, compared to the number of subscribers, and probably only a small portion of those who watch the videos read books because not many people read books anymore. So I keep having to remind myself to be realistic and say, even if it only gets into the hands of a a few thousand people, but it means something to them, is that enough? And if that's enough, then that's enough. Because on on the creative side, I've definitely said exactly what I want to say, the way I want to say it. Mm -hmm. And I'm happy with that part. It's just when the other like, yeah, but what if I... What, what if what if this happens to it and and that takes off you know then then it can kind of ruin it it has to be the work itself and not I mean I've just I've, I've today I got I got uh, the first box of books at my house like the physical mm-hmm. box so mm-hmm. I got fifty mm-hmm. books delivered today and I've started to kind of read through the book to sort of double check for printing errors or anything like that and uh, just before this I was reading through a chapter on I've written a chapter about control and it's exactly this stuff it's exactly um, taking the idea of the Stoics, which I talked about in videos as well, about the, the finding any kind of peace or contentment in your life. And this works as a creative hugely is, is separating out and sifting out the things you can actually control from the things you can't. Mm-hmm. And, and I make the point that that you can control how much time and effort you put into the work that you do. And you can try and make sure that you do the very best job you can do and you can say what you wanna say as clearly as you can possibly communicate it with whatever your creative medium is. That's in your control. Right. But the response you get to that is not in your control at all. You don't even have some control over that. It's a mixed bag because what you put out to the world then gets cut with people's experiences and prejudices and their own worldviews and everything else. You cannot, in my experience, I can't predict the response to anything I put out. I've talked right. to other people who make videos on YouTube. And and we will all say the same thing. I was talking to photographers on the weekend. I did a meetup in York and we were talking about this in terms of photography as well. The the, the photographs that you're convinced will do well when you post them on something like Instagram might mine Rickets. often tank. Absolutely <laughs> yeah. tank. Everyone's like, I don't get it. What are you doing? Why are you posting yeah. yeah, yeah. Then you put up some like, you know, filler piece of crap because you've set yourself a schedule to post photographs. It was like this blew my mind. And I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. You can't predict it. So you have to just make sure that you're controlling the one thing you can, which is doing the very best job you can do. And it's so hard to let go of that other stuff. But I I think if you can get yourself to the place, especially with long term projects, because it's such an investment of time, isn't it? Yes. I mean, you're going to be at your project for a few years, I would imagine.
0: Uh, At least. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah I'm this first listening. leg will be every bit of a year and that's just to figure out what the rest of it looks like.
1: Yeah. And I mean if if we're going to invest years of of our of our time on personal projects for ourselves it's we have to constantly remind ourselves why we're doing it and mm-hmm. the response isn't in our control. Or we could get to the end of those 2 years and go yeah but I thought I'd get super rich and famous from doing this and then <laughs> feel feel like it was a waste of time. What what a tragedy instead <laughs> right. of going you know, I never knew what this was gonna do. It was never right. in my power anyway. But I know that I did the best job I could and this is exactly what I wanted it to be. Or it's better, or it's slightly different, but that was outside my control too. It had to change a bit. But I'm happy that I did it either way. And now if 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 thousands of people see it or if ten people see it and they, they, they it means something to them, I did exactly what I wanted to do. Right. It's such a right. hard thing to
0: do. Let me it's ask you something. Yeah. When you're when you're writing the book, are you th- thinking or were you thinking at any point about audience did did you did you either edit or sort of curate what you wanted to say based on what you wanted to get in terms of reaction from an audience or were you able to sort of sort of stay in that that mindset of i'm going to write the book i want to see and that's it and let the chips fall where they may
1: no, I, I, with with this one, with that book I wrote 10 years ago, I absolutely wrote for a very specific audience and mm-hmm. do a very particular thing. Um, but with this one, no, I, I, I was, it was a much easier process in that regard because I just, I knew exactly what, what book I wanted to write. I knew exactly what parts of myself I wanted to pull from and include in there. And I didn't really have a template for it because I haven't, I haven't, I'm not suggesting what I've done is anything like, earth shattering or anything like that but I haven't read a book like the book I've written um I've 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 read books that have sort of no I haven't I actually haven't I can't think of one I mean with a mix of like um psychology spirituality philosophy but all pointed at people who make things I haven't read a book quite like that and and so I didn't really I couldn't do that I couldn't I couldn't trick myself into going well I need to write it this particular way because then, then people will really like it. Because when we do that, I think we often base it on other stuff we've seen that did well, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, didn't mm-hmm. that, I didn't have that uh, template. So I just had to go, well, the only thing I can do is to write exactly the book I, I wanted to read uh, all these years. And then, and then if that reaches nobody, then maybe, maybe less people think like me than I thought and that's okay because maybe maybe i'm a i'm a minority there's nothing wrong with that there's lots of ways i'm a minority you know but maybe it does reach a lot of people and there's a lot of common ground in it that would be a nice thing to have but i have to instead of trying to please everybody in which case i don't think i'd end up saying anything very well because i think i've become too careful and too uh cautious um i said somewhere in the book something like i would i would rather I would rather yell something out that I really believe than whisper something in a corner for fear of being heard and rejected. Right. You know, and that's, that's how I felt about this whole thing was rather say it well and get rejected for what you actually said than people are confused about what you're trying to say and it just becomes ineffectual blandness and everyone ignores it. That would be much worse. So at least try and say it well.
0: You know? Right. When, when, you're, when you're sort of architecting this this book, because we, we talked about you, the church project, the next project, mm. it, it feels like you've been thinking about that for just as long as you've been thinking about the things in the book, maybe even longer. Do you see that project as a continuation or an extension of this, even though they're different mediums? Are they, are they related in terms of, of psychology or philosophy or... Or even just ethos? Do you see them as connected?
1: I'm doing what you're doing, so it's hard to tell at the moment because mm-hmm. I, I, I'm I'm not going in with the answers, and I'm yeah. not. Go- it's like any good documentary filmmaker. You don't go in with the answer; you go in with the questions, right? Right. So, because uh, you make a mistake otherwise, you, you you don't leave yourself open to discover. It's what you're so good at. Why why your podcasts are amazing is because you're just a, a naturally curious person. So for me. I've started with a question and that's it. And and it's a question as well with this photography project. It's a question um, for those who are listening, like I'm basically um, looking at doing um, a photography project that looks at the church. And because obviously when I was trying to work out what is the next long-term or the first, because I haven't really done one. What's the first long-term photography project I want to dig my teeth into? it has to be something that's connected with me and my story, because I think then I'm going to have a deep well to pull from. Mm -hmm. Um, And the obvious thing was, you know, the fact that I was a priest or pastor for 10 years of my life, I have that experience, I I care about that stuff, even though I now don't consider myself a part of that world, or I I don't think I'd be welcome um, in a lot of churches, because I think my my spirituality is is way too broad for most. It doesn't fit neatly.
0: Word has gotten around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: I've, <laughs> I've dodged being stoned in many a church car park, like only, only barely. But, um, but, but that's the thing is like, is, is, so I'm going in with the question and I'm going in with an informed question because I know the history of this institution mm-hmm. and I know the good stuff at the middle of it and I know the crap that's built around it. And and that's all I'm going in with. And I'm going to go in with a camera and I'm going to go in with me to ask questions. And there will, there will definitely be photos that come out of it. There, there might be exhibitions in the long run. There might be a book that comes out of it. And there might be a documentary film that comes out of it. I might go back around and get interviews with these people. But I, I don't want, like you, I don't want to set that right up front. I, right. want, to, I want to go in with the questions. And I want to just start... Collecting—it's like going out and foraging, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, if, it is. If you're going to go out in the forest, you know, before we had supermarkets, you're just going to forage whatever you've got. Then when you get it back home, you're going to work out what meal can I make? What with can this I do with this I've now? Got. Yeah, yeah. You can't decide on the meal, go out and realize you can't get the stuff. So I, I'm I'm like research phase, and I'm about to move into collection phase, where I'm just mm-hmm. going out and I'm going to grab a bunch of stuff. I'm going to grab some audio. I'm going to grab tons of photos. I'm going to grab conversations with people into my memory. I'm going to take down notes. Then I might go back and grab video footage. And then I'm going to look at what I'm collecting after I've done this 10, 20, 30, 40 times and go, where is this going? And I'm definitely going to whatever. If I went in with the answer, it would change. I'd realize I'm wrong. I'm 100%. I'd realize I'm wrong. So rather just going with good questions, I think is the way to do it.
0: Well, I think you would be met with much more resistance then you will be because curiosity sort of rewards itself, doesn't it? I mean, it's, you go in with questions. You're not, you you know, it's, it's the, uh, it's the sort of starting at zero. um, Mm -hmm. uh, The uh, Chris Hatfield, uh, you enter a room, start at zero, just listen, just, just observe, just let the room sort of come to you rather than coming in as the expert coming in with an answer. And I think each of us are, it's, it's kind of interesting because I don't know that we've really talked about both of these projects together, but there are so many similarities that I'm hearing yeah. in our approach to it. I'm, I'm going to be fascinated to do these sort of check-ins with you and, and go, okay, well, here's, here's, what, here's where I'm at, where are you at? And, yeah. and kind of see where these things maybe influence or, or inform each other as we're, as we're kind of going through these projects.
1: Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, it's going to be good. There's a there's a book I wanted to recommend. Um, yes. Let me just walk into the other room. Hang on a minute because I've forgotten the name of it again. It's about to get echoey. You ready?
0: <laughs> what? 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 I'm, what? I'm in my what? cave. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sean, 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 Sean. Sean. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's kind of a little bit.
1: Oh, where is it? Okay, here we go. So this is a great book. For anyone who's thinking of getting into um, long-term photography projects of any sort, there's a book just called Photo Work, uh, and it's, it's uh, published by Aperture, A-P-E-R-T-U-R-E. The
0: one with the blue cover?
1: That's it, yeah. That's it. Uh, okay. Sa- Sasha Wolf is yep. the person yep. who's put it together. So Photo Work, and it's interviews with 40 different photographers, and she asks these photographers the same, uh, the same questions, and collects 40 answers to each of these questions. And what's fascinating is how different everyone's approach is. So um, I'll read you the questions if you're interested. Yes, please. So these are the questions she asks these people. Hang on a minute, let's have a look. The questions are, what comes first for you? The idea for a project or individual photographs that suggest a concept? Uh, Question two, what are the key elements that must be present for you when you're creating a body of work? Social commentary, strong form, personal connection, photographic reference, etc. Question three Is the idea of a body of work important to you? How does it function in relation to making a great individual photograph? Which is interesting. Uh, Question four Do you have what you might call a photographic style? Question five Where would you say your style falls on a continuum between completely intuitive and intellectually formulated?
0: That's a great one. I really like that question a lot. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So you're more intuitive or do you need to sort of preconceive things before you go in? Uh, Question six, assuming you now shoot in what you would consider your natural voice, have you ever wished your voice was different? Which is a great question too. Because I think we do just assume like, well, you know, my my voice is just, is is what it is and can't change, but maybe actually this is just
0: the way I do it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, Question seven, how do you know when a body of work is finished? Which, I mean, you get some fascinating answers from people on that one. Like People are like, oh, no, I I knew instantly when it was done when I took that photograph. And some people are like, I have no idea. I think I'm still going, but I'm not sure. Do you know what I mean? It's all over. Um, Have you ever had a body of work that was created in the editing process? And by editing, they don't mean Photoshop. Obviously, they mean selection. Right, right.
0: curation and and sequencing.
1: Um, Question nine. Do you associate your work with a particular genre of photography? If yes, how would you define that genre? Uh, question 10, do you ever revisit a series that has already been exhibited or published to shoot more and add to it? Question 11, do you ever revisit a series that has already been exhibited or published and re it Again, not Photoshop, but selection. Right. Uh, question 12, do you, cre- do you create with presentation in mind, be that a gallery show or a book? So those are, the, those are the 12 questions she asks every photographer. I'll give you the name again. Um, the book is called Photo Work, 40 Photographers on Process and Practice, and it's published by Aperture. Uh, it's edited by Sasha Wolf. And uh, the photographers in here, you'll know, you'll know a lot of them. Uh, Alejandro uh, Cartagena, um, uh, Todd Heido, Torhido, uh, Gus Powell, Alex Soth. There's a bunch of people you'll know. Tiffany Smith. Um, really good photographers in there. So. Yeah, it's worth having a look at if you're thinking of doing a long-term project.
0: Yeah, I'm excited to, to get underway, and I don't feel overwhelmed about this, which I think I feel off balance. I feel a little nervous, but I don't feel like I've, I don't feel like I'm biting off more than I can chew with this. I feel like this is exactly sort of the level of uncertainty that I need to be faced with right now.
1: And I'm sure that overwhelming feeling will come down the road. I hope so. It'll it'll go and wait. Well, it's probably a good sign. Yeah, you know, because it just means there's more than you can handle, which is which is probably a good thing. I mean, my my biggest fear, I think, is going in and realizing there's not enough here to tell a good story.
0: Mm. I mean, mm-hmm. if you've got
1: the opposite problem, at least it's something you can work your way out of. Right, uh, make sense of as you go. If you've got too many options, or too many different stories, or too many ways you can go, that's probably a good problem to have.
0: Well, and it's a new way of doing things, completely new way. You know, I, in 10 years of, well, 11, 11 years of podcasting, I've only done two episodes live with the person in the room.
1: Oh, wow. Everything oh, wow. has been done Is remotely. That's
0: true? Yeah. What were those? Uh, Bill and I, Bill Wadman and I, on an episode of On Taking Pictures, we did a walk and talk on the National Mall. Ah, uh, cool. Walked from uh, the Capitol to Lincoln. When was the other one? God, now I'm, now I'm blanking. It may only have been one. But it's either should've, one or two. <laughs> so, Paris. Well, uh, yeah, we should have done that. We'll, we'll do it again. Um, <laughs> but recording with another person in the room, sort of in situ, in in their space, not a, a neutral sort of studio space, not in my space, but in in an unfamiliar space that that hopefully they will be comfortable in. That's going to be. I know, be new I know what me. your other one was. What was it?
1: Uh, I've forgotten his name, but he he curates the prints for Avedon and at the museum.
0: Oh, that's right, Hugh. Yeah. Yeah. He was, uh, he was working on, uh, he was scanning some negatives, uh, some of Abaddon's negatives of John F. Kennedy and Jackie Kennedy. And we were talking Mm -hmm. about Avaddon. Yep. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. So those were the only two in what? A thousand hours, 900 hours of recorded conversation. Only two.
1: I can't wait for this for you because I mean it's been it's been on the cards for a while for you in some form or another
0: and for those <laughs> You've of you have been gently don't know, encouraging me towards this well cuz cuz
1: I've I've seen you you can you can't help but do this anyway i mean right. we 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 spent a few days together walking around paris and you know you myself and adrian and and you got you got french people to be friendly to you I don't know how to do that. Like you just, you just, they really don't like me. But like the, you just talk to everybody, and everyone just opens up to you and talks. So the fact that you could potentially do that, like Studs Terkel did in his own way, with a microphone, and get into these impromptu conversations with people who just choose to share their life with you, because you really do have a um, – gift is the wrong word, actually, because it's, it's just like a, it's like an innate – it's like an innate trustworthiness and friendliness and curiosity you have that people just really warm to it's, it's, Mm. it's such an obvious project for you to do. It really is.
0: Thank you. I'm excited about it. I really am. I mean, I don't, I don't know that I've been as, as excited and optimistic and, and eager to Mm. start something as I have with this. I mean, I enjoy the other things. I enjoy the painting. I enjoy, you know, that kind of thing, but I think, you know, as, as we have spoken about this, I I think this could be not only an interesting project for me, but an important body of work. I feel like this could be something that is, that is bigger than me. And, and I, I, I am humbled by that responsibility. I'm, I'm terrified of that part of it because I don't want to mess it up, but you know, it's, it's sort of, you know one of the things that and we'll bring it back to photography when you when you when you learn the tool so well that you don't have to worry about the tool it just does its job and 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 you can then focus on other things you can focus on composition you can focus on the sort of creative side of it i think if i if i believe what i'm told and if i believe sort of the the like the things that you've just said about people you know warming up if i if i believe in that tool set and that skill set then I can just let go and focus on being present in the conversation and, and let it go where it needs to go and not hold on so tightly.
1: Absolutely. And there's a photography version of that as well, isn't there? Where, where you know what you want to do in a project and you're comfortable with the skill set you need to get those kind of images so you can put the technical out of your mind right. and just be in that moment with that person if you're shooting portraits or in that space if you're shooting something else and just focus on being present to the story you're trying to capture rather than, than fiddling with your camera or, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or your microphone or whatever else it is you're using as the tool is to get that stuff out of the way, which for me is why I think years ago, you know, I, I, when I was getting into portrait photography, it quickly got complicated. You know, I thought that better portraits were made because you added more lights and more gels and longer lenses and, you know, it got very complicated very fast. And And then I suddenly realized like, Everything I love looking at is one light. So I love going and sitting uh in the in the National Gallery and looking at Rembrandt's portraits. It's one light. Mm-hmm. So why do I think I need more than he had? Especially when I'm when I like a classic look. So stripping it right back to I'm just going to shoot all my portraits on a 50 mil, and if I use a light, it's one light. That's it. And 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 it's so much better for it. It means I don't have to think about it, I don't have to overthink it because it's very very simple and i can i can concentrate on getting more out of the person that i'm taking a photograph of than overthinking the process thinking that the process will make it more meaningful somehow which is rarely the case you know, the process is the fluff it's the detail around it the subject is is what's going to give you story or narrative right if you feel like spelunking you
0: know not a great word <laughs> it's so good. It's, <laughs> so good it's so good she busted that out i went oh that's so good she's a ninja man <laughs> As I said at the beginning, at this point in the conversation, we stopped recording, opened up the floor and invited listeners to participate, which took the conversation in a few really interesting directions. If you'd like to subscribe, just search for Deep Natter in your favorite podcast app. It's also available in my Jeffrey Sidoris Everything feed, which includes process driven, iterations and everything else I release all in one feed. And if you did enjoy the show, please consider leaving a review or a rating wherever you listen and sharing it on social media, both of which help others find the show. And as a reminder, you can listen live and be part of the conversations on Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern on Clubhouse. Connect with Sean on Twitter and Instagram at Sean Tuck. That's S-E-A-N-T-U-C-K. Or on his website, seantucker.photography. Or by searching for Sean Tucker on YouTube. You can also pre-order his book, The Meaning in the Making, wherever you buy books. I'm about three quarters of the way through it, and I can tell you that it is terrific. Connect with me on Twitter and Instagram, at Jeffrey Sedoris, that's J-E-F-F-E-R-Y-S-A-D-D-O-R-I-S, or on my website at jeffreysedoris.com. Thank you very much for listening. We appreciate your time. We hope you'll come back for the next one.